Hello and welcome to the new Smart Money Podcast presented by Coastway Community Bank. On behalf of Coastway Community Bank, I'm your host, Glenn Fontaine. And this new Smart Money Podcast series is a series that seeks to take a little bit deeper dive on some common financial questions and issues that some of the Coastway customers have. And today we're going to be talking about uh, first-time home buying. And my guest today is a loan officer that's been with the bank for uh, going on 15 years. Um, and her name is Karen Xavier Cunha. Thank you so much for coming in, Karen. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, excellent. exciting. <laughs> uh, so home ownership is, it's the American dream. It's, you know, what we all strive to. We kind of picture in our head, kind of our goals in life. We kind of have this idea of the, the house with the white picket fence and the 2.5 kids and the dog and right. all of that. Um, but, you know, what stops a lot of people from that is kind of, you know, the daunting process or what seems on, you know, from the outside looking in, if you've never done it before, where do I start? And a lot of people just continue on renting and don't, um, you know, kind of don't make that step, just kind of almost out of fear. So what I was hoping today is that we could kind of talk a little bit about, you know, some of the questions that people might have about um, buying a home and uh, some of the things that, um, that, that that might have concerns about and try to further educate them and, um try to make the process a little bit easier and kind of seem less daunting um, from the outset. So we're, we were talking a little bit off air before we started here about kind of this, you know, crazy real estate market and just, you know, the, you know, how inventory is low and how, th- you know, how fast things are moving. So picture myself, I'm X amount of years old. I've never bought a home before. Just kind of thinking about it. What would you recommend the first steps being for somebody in that position? Well, I feel it's a, it's a very um, scary market out there. And mm. I think as a first time home buyer, um, it's very intimidating. So the process is really educate yourself. I mean, that I can't stress to you enough. And, you know, basically, um, we need to start from the beginning, which is, you know, looking at credit and getting you ready and really developing the foundation in the proper way. Don't start looking at a house without knowing what you really can afford. Um, Really looking at the numbers, getting things ready um, in the proper way. So to me, credit is the number one thing to look at because that's the number one determining factor of which avenue you're going to go. And as a first-time homebuyer, there are several programs, awesome programs, and we're so blessed in Rhode Island to have 100% 100% financing, safe programs for our buyers, but you need to do it in the right way. Sure. So, um, again, credit is the number one thing. I've worked with buyers on their credit for a year. Really? Yeah. It's a, it's amazing because they don't teach credit in high school. <laughs> they do yeah, not. No. <laughs> they don't teach credit in college. And, uh, and, and know, it is. It's kind of like this mythical algorithm that we don't – no one really – I mean except for people you know, in your position. Right. You don't really understand. Like you know, you have you – know, I think that there's been a lot of like websites out there you know, that now are doing credit checks. And you know, I think people have kind of ascertained kind of the range of what the numbers are. But I don't think a lot of people necessarily understand like everything that goes into that score and then what the significance of that score is. Right. That's why it's so important to really sit – the first 15 minutes of my pre-approval, even with good credit, is reviewing your credit report because people never see a tri-merged credit report, which is the three repositories, TransUnion, Experian, and Equifax. Mm. They may have Credit Karma, which is a great program out there or things that you may have on Discover or American mm. Express, and it show you a score. But what does that score mean? Right. And yeah. and what and what you may see is not what I may actually see in front of me. Right. But it's a really good tool because at least it raises awareness. And it raises it shows you if there's any changes that may have appeared in your credit. A lot of times I see at around the holidays, we just finished with the holidays. Around the holidays, people call me and they're like, oh, I just got a, a an, an alert on my credit karma that my scores went down 100 points. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's because you just put too much debt on your credit card (laughs) and that will affect your score. But they know that because these people have met with me and they know the importance of credit. Mm. We need to watch this. In our society today, everything you do from a mortgage to car insurance, anything you do is based upon your credit. Sure. So you better know you know what your credit is and don't just sweep it under the bed. You need to embrace it, but you need to be educated to see what determines credit. Mm. So, you know, the first thing that will determine credit is, you know, any kind of late payments or derogatories. If that's a late payment or derogatory, a collection or anything, that's really, really, really going to hurt your credit. Um, 
the proportion of debt to um, to your credit. So, you know, I've seen people that have an innocent Old Navy credit card. You have a credit card. You save 20% if you open up a credit card. You, they yeah. open up a credit card. They're not going to give you any big limit. They're going to give you a $500 limit. You go and you spend $250. You think you did a good thing? Not necessarily because you just spent half half of what, what your potential limit is. Right. And that's not good. And you save 20% off yeah, you that save one 20%, purchase, but then the interest right. rate on the card is 30%. Exactly. You know? <laughs> the interest rate is, is high, you know, um, it, but you, you need to have some credit, but right. you need to have, you need to know how to play the game. Right. But you need to have the balance on that credit card always should be about a quarter to a third in order to really maximize your credit score. Interesting. And, um, you know, how do people get, you know, $10,000 credit cards? It's because they've had credit for a long time. So it's successful credit at good payment plans and having a really like a low utilization is really going to help people earn credit. Um, so basically, so it would really be foolhardy to, you know, if I'm now decided, you know, I woke up one morning, like I need, I want to buy a house to then start going on to the real estate websites like Zillow and everything like that and start mm -hmm. looking at houses or then even start reaching out to a real estate agent before I've talked to somebody like you and first kind of ascertain like where I am, like from a credit situation, um, to understand what I can ultimately buy kind of going forward. Then, the right? number one thing is to now meet, you should meet with a lender yeah. because most real estate agents really don't want to meet with you oh, until really? okay. a lot of them will want to know are you pre-approved because think about it they're not going to go and start showing you a bunch of properties maybe in the wrong price range or maybe you're just not ready mm. i really truly believe that it is the foundation as i said earlier you need to layer you need to get yourself ready especially as a first-time homebuyer you've never done this before you really need to know what my credit is what can we do to fix it we do a lot of things where we can Fix credit. Mm. I can help you with that. I or set you on a path. And then once we find that the credit is good, then we start looking at the numbers and the qualifying and and comfort. Comfort is a really important part of this whole process. Just because the computer says you can doesn't mean you want to right. or you should make that mortgage payment. Yeah, you're because so right. banks still qualify on gross earnings. When was the last time that you took home your gross paycheck? Like ne never, never. Yeah. never. Yeah. You know, the other thing that the the computer doesn't look at is uh, daycare, hmm. tuition, mm. Cox Cable, your home, your uh, car insurance, different things like that. That's not going into the qualifying of your mortgage payment, but yet you know you have to pay those things. Right. So you need to be smart about what you're doing or else you're going to set yourself up for stress and failure. And we don't want that. My buyers that come to me, again, if we start the foundation in the proper way, get the credit right, get everything where it needs to be, um, and then we start looking at programs based upon the determination of credit, mm -hmm. and we take a look at comfort. In a relationship, if you want to stress yourself out and you want to get divorced, if it's a married couple, get into financial difficulty. <laughs> yeah. So you need to be smart about, you know, about what you're what you're qualifying. And we look at all of those things. And I take a look at what your paycheck is, your take-home paycheck, and we look at how much of that is going towards a mortgage payment. This is layering the foundation for your future. As a first-time home buyer, I meet with a lot of people, uh, met with someone just last night that they bought their house three years ago in a great location, did some work to it. We think they probably have about $80,000 worth of equity in the property. Mm. They're going to take that $80,000, sell their house probably in a weekend because that's the market that we're facing. Right, yeah. And they're going to take that $80,000 and they're probably going to have enough to put 20% down on a property. Mm. That's the first time home buyer dream. Yeah. They now have two children. They're still being smart about it. We were really smart about what they really want to pay because they are paying daycare. And we want to look at setting themselves up for the future. Being at Coastway for 15 years, I now have had customers that I've met three different times. You know, I had a closing. That's going to feel great. It I is. Mean, it, it's, know, it's so rewarding. I can't even tell you how rewarding my job is. The relationships that I have... I am all about relationship. 
in the success of a real estate transaction is all about the relationships from me to your real estate agent to the attorney. It's all one big relationship where two years from now, uh, five years from now, you still can always call us and we're always here to have your back. That's great. So now, so we've kind of, you know, so we've, we've ascertained that, you know, we need to talk to someone like you, obviously, before we start going out and looking for houses. So now we reach out to you. What kind of information are you going to be looking for from a potential borrower? You know, what kind of, um, you know, what kind of info do you need from them? And what do they, what are they going to need to probably have ready to be able to give to you to it's, start that it's, process? Um, it's really not a lot of information. Okay. So basically the things that we ask for, um, uh, which should be readily available, uh, we're look, looking for um, two years of W-2s and uh, 1040s, which is the federal tax return, mm -hmm. two months of bank statements, two recent pay stubs, um, date of birth. That's wow. pretty much it. You okay. don't need a lot. Now, depending on what we find, there may be additional things that we need. Uh, we may need divorce decrees. We need, you know, different things like that. Mm. Um, but that's basically all that we need in order to get started. One thing I want to mention when I talk about uh, tax returns, especially from a first-time homebuyer perspective, a lot of my first-time homebuyers don't have tax returns because they've never worked a job. Maybe they've been in college. Right. All right? right. Okay. So if you've been in college, then you know what we need? You have to obviously have a job, so you have to be at your job for at least a month. Okay. You know, nothing can be probationary, so you have to be – has to be permanent income, sure. yep. you know. Um, and transcripts. Four years of education, two years of education, a trade school, something like that is work experience. No That's, kidding. Wow, I didn't yeah, know that. Yes. Okay. So we will allow that. You know, in the first-time home buyer programs, they allow that. Wow. So, you know, what have you done for the last two years? We need two years' worth of employment. Oh, well, I only have a month's worth of employment. I just got this contract. Look, I'm, you know, I have a guarantee saying I just got this job making X amount of dollars. Well, what did you do prior Oh, I was at such and such a school. I was majoring in communication. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, so bring on your your diploma. You yeah. know, and we get that. We'll get transcripts. We'll get college that's transcripts. Really cool, I, 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 the little bit that I know, I, I assume that the two years was kind of a non-starter. That that was always required. That you needed that experience. That's really cool. I didn't know about the yeah uh, the edu the education. And again, I as I said earlier in Rhode Island, um, uh, we're we're so lucky to have Rhode Island Housing, which is uh, we are a very strong, the number one mm. lending partner with Rhode Island Housing. Rhode Island Housing um, doesn't exclusively work with first-time home buyers, but that's where their programs are on the mark. And if you look at any other neighboring states, they don't have anything really? like Rhode Island Housing. We're so lucky, so so lucky. And um, my feeling, and no one has ever said this, but I think that the reason Rhode Island Housing has been so aggressive about keeping these awesome programs, we have grants for 100% financing, depending on where you buy. I mean, you don't have to have, uh, you don't have to have money to buy a property, mm. but you can make a lot of money or you can make little money. There's programs for everybody. That's my job is to really determine where the program is. But the thing is, these programs are determined for these first-time homebuyers in order to set them up in the proper place. And in Rhode Island, because people are getting educated, we have such great school systems, the, the colleges mm, in Rhode Island. Yep. We don't want people to get educated, get their degrees in Rhode Island and leave. It's the brain so, drain, right? Yeah, so, yeah. They, so they, they make it tantalizing where you can actually have this great education Get a job, stay here for a little bit, maybe mm. for a longer. That would be ideal, but yeah. stay here for a little bit because we offer these 100% financing programs. That's great. Well, you're not going to have it in other, in other states unless you're a veteran or, or something like that. Excellent. So, you know, that's one of the things that we offer with Throwdown Housing for first time home buyers. It's fabulous. We're so lucky. So, Excellent. so lucky. Before we move on, you know, I still wanted to talk about, you know, the things needed to apply. So, we talked about, you know, traditional wage earners and now students, which I wasn't aware of. Um, I know it was so self employed people, that can be sometimes become a little bit trickier. And, you know, now we're in kind of the day and age where entrepreneurship is, you know, kind of the new cool thing. And, you know, you have some of these people that are kind of striking out on their own. Mm -hmm. um, how does um, be someone being self-employed um, start to, you know, kind of either complicate the situation or change it? Well, self-employed borrowers does change things dramatically. Okay. Um, because a lot of times what ends up happening is what we see from the financing standpoint and what an accountant may see may be two different things. Mm. Um, 
people that are self-employed deduct a lot of things. They don't really show a lot of the earnings, you know, um, you know things like that. Sure. And we use what you claim to the IRS. So if you're claiming, if you say to me, I make eighty thousand dollars, but really on your tax returns you only show thirty, I'm only using thirty. Mm. So that's something that we need to, with layering our foundation, we need to get yourself prepared so that maybe not this year but maybe next year or the following year you can get yourself on track as to what those guidelines are those are federal guidelines so mm. self-employed borrowers need two-year average of uh, of tax returns so um, uh, uh, of that employment we use um, same thing with people that so self-employed commission earning mm. um, bonuses anything like that all of that over time, all of that is averaged for two years. So that's well, that makes sense. I mean, if somebody, you know, even if they're a wage earner and they got, you know, a bonus, mm-hmm. you know, on one year and that wasn't going to be something that came every year, mm-hmm. you know, it makes sense that that might be, you know, mm-hmm. kind of an outlier that needs to be factored into your overall decision. A, a lot of times for people that make bonuses and work overtime, I like, I don't even use that income with my qualifying mm. because I don't want, if we don't need it, don't use it right. because why set yourself up that you have to work overtime all mm, the time? Yeah. You may buy a house and really enjoy it and not want to have to work overtime to support that house. You want to just stay home and enjoy your family and mm, enjoy your backyard. Right. Why set yourself up that you have to work 60 hours a week? I mean, if you want to, that's great. But sometimes I look, I like to look at you know the overtime and bonuses and things like that as legitimately what they are yeah bonuses that's like a little treat after that you can get but it's that's a little different than being again the self-employed that we started talking about because self-employed earnings it is what it is it's what you show in your tax returns so we need to lay that foundation to have our self-employed buyers show the earnings that they make Mm. or be a little bit more careful about what they're deducting and have their accountants on board with us to know what you show as your bottom line is what we're able to, mm. um, we, what we're able to use as qualifying income. Excellent. Um, you know, I wanted to circle back to something that you uh, you kind of discussed earlier that you know when you're talking to borrowers about you know how much mortgage they can afford, you know how there's a delineation between you know what the computer says you qualify for and what they actually qualify for in real life. Um, so can you take me through a little bit of the process about how you kind of consult with borrowers to kind of talk to them about you know what their you know what their every month expenses are and then how you factor in what is a comfortable mortgage for them to be able to afford? That I, I think that is that's a that's a very personal you know individual um, uh, thing that we need to look at, and that's why I think it's so important to really meet with people and mm. have the face to face and really see what their their factors are. When you take a look at. Um, the qualifying, depending on which program we go in, whether we go with a, say, for instance, a conventional loan or FHA, which is the Federal Housing Authority, mm. each of those loans have different qualifying thresholds. So the FHA loan is more forgiving. It's more forgiving of credit score. It's more forgiving. It's going to have a higher threshold for your debt ratio. On the other hand, conventional is not as forgiving. It's going to really look closely at your credit score. And there's a very solid threshold. If your debt ratio, so when you take a look at your gross earnings in relationship to all of your debt and your mortgage payment, it cannot exceed 45%. Right. That's 45% of your gross earnings. And that's the debt ratio. That's the debt ratio for the conventional loan. On an FHA loan, it can go into 50 Okay, so you can see how it's more con- con- it's more forgiving, but just because you can doesn't mean you exactly. should. Now there may be uh, I I have people that have part time jobs where um, their earnings are maybe not documented, or there may be a spouse or someone else that's living in the house or going to be contributing to the mortgage payment that I'm not able to count. Mm. Maybe they have not so great credit. Maybe they, uh, whatever it is, maybe it's a family member, whatever the scenario would be where you could potentially have additional earnings. So that FHA loan with the higher debt ratio may seem a little unattainable, but yet, wait, we have an extra person that's contributing that we we just can't prove it. Exactly. So now you go, that becomes a better loan for this this person. So- 
when when you when you ask questions about you know what qualifies you know we we look at what qual the qualifications on paper based upon what you see on your your credit report clearly and then what the mortgage payment is we look at a mortgage payment in qualifying with taxes with homeowners insurance with potentially mortgage insurance which is a risk based in premium because most first-time home buyers aren't putting a lot of money down. Right. So there's risk involved in that. Yep. Come risk, come premiums. So that's basically we look at that total payment, no surprises, no surprises. For people that are buying condos, we have to calculate the HOA fees, the Homeowners Association mm-hmm. fees. That's a big factor. That could be $250 a month. So we we take a look at all of those numbers specifically, and then they may share with me, I have daycare, I have this, I have a, a hobby, I have an expensive gym membership, whatever it is. People shouldn't have to make total sacrifices because right. they buy a house. Okay? Well, that was that was my question. That was my next question. So, like as you just alluded to, you know, not everything that you know somebody has that they pay every month is necessarily factored into that debt to income ratio. Something like a cell phone, I don't believe is no, factored cell in. cell phone, so, homeowners, uh, um, car insurance. Like I said, you know, right. everybody has car insurance, and and I can't stress enough daycare. That is the big thing. Or I look at myself personally. I have two children in in private school. It's a choice that I make. Yeah. I'm not going to say, oh, I can't buy this house because I can't pay. No, my tuition is part of my normal budget. Right. So if someone were to look at me and say, oh, wow, you can afford this house. No, I can't because my <laughs> tuition bill is $2,000 a month. Exactly. And I can't stress that enough. I can't stress that enough. The other thing that I want to mention as far as what the computer says when I give green lights in order to say, okay, start with your pre approval. Uh, um, I'm sorry, you're pre-approved and you can start looking. Looking at what? Mm. Because you can look at two different houses for the same price and get two different payments. If they're in two different communities, the tax rates are different. Mm. The homeowner's insurance might be different. Right. So you got to be careful when you start looking. The way that I work with my buyers, I'll say to them when they're leaving, I'm like, you got the green light. And you have my cell phone. So you can text me anytime. If you go and you look at a house and you really like it and you're going to go look at it again, you need to get in touch with me so that I can give you the payment for that particular house. I've had many buyers that I give the green light. They go and they look at a house. I'm using, for instance, $300 a month for taxes. And they go look at a house in another community and the taxes are five hundred dollars that's a big difference right a that could throw someone's qualifications totally off and b it could also throw their comfort off yeah so that's a really big factor that we have to look at the other thing is we also are at the mercy of the interest rates now interest rates have climbed a little since the fall there may be people that have i met with them in the fall and we were calculating interest rates based upon X. Mm. And now we're approaching the spring and interest rates aren't X anymore. They're Y. So we need to relook at those numbers. Right. That's part of the relationship that we work with. We establish this relationship so that they know, my buyers know, that they can reach out to me because I'm going to give them that little confidence. I'm going to give them not, I think the payment is going to be X. No. You know what the payment's going to be. Right. So when you go into an aggressive market, which is what we started talking about with this very, very little inventory, and you have exactly what the mortgage payment is going to be, and you have exactly pretty close when I say exact, you know, give or take, sure. but, yeah. but a very good idea of what the, the payment is going to be. Now you can go in and you can be a little bit more assertive. Sure. Yeah. You can fight when you have that little, confidence. When you have and that confidence. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. When you're kind of, you know, when you're uh, when you're unsure about exactly kind of where things stand, you know, you're not, you're definitely not going to be as confident. So that totally makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, I feel that that's our job. That's our job. Now, does everybody, all loan officers, do that? I don't know. That's how I do it. Right. Because I really think that it's it's a a, a, a great opportunity to have these relationships. Because it empowers the buyers. It really makes them confident. And it takes the fear out of them because they know what they're doing. No surprises. And the thing is, if they're working with a real estate agent that has their back and knows 
how I work or how the loan officer at Coastway is working, they know that they can get those numbers for, from us pretty much any time. Mm. They know that Coastway is, I don't care if it, the, the tellers and you're walking in, they know who you are. We know who you are. It's that very personal philosophy at Coastway. So, Well, I think that comes from it being a part of the community. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're not a, you know, XYZmortgage.com where, right. you know, people are calling an 800 right. number and they're getting, you know, a call center in, you know, Louisiana or something. You know, no, you're, exactly. you know, you're, you're living in the communities that you serve. You're going to the same stores, restaurants, you know, you're seeing them all. You have these relationships. I mean, if you, you know, not to say that you would, but, you know, if you didn't do right by somebody, you know, you would have some accountability because, you know, yeah. again, you're not, you know, some nameless, faceless person that's, mm -hmm. you know, just, you know, picking up a phone. You know, mm -hmm. you're actually in the community that you're serving. It's so, so important that I can't stress that you hit the nail on the head. That is absolutely a 100% true. I always say, and I laugh, you know, on a Sunday morning, I can't just, you know, throw something on and go to BJ's because my kids will even say like, oh, mom, you're never going to go super quick because you'll find somebody you know. And that is true. And it's so funny. And I'll be like, hey, how are you? And you get the hugs and we cause traffic jams in the aisles and everything. <laughs> and it's fabulous. But that, these are the relationships that we have. Mm. And you know what? I may not remember Every, sing every single, you know, first and last name, but I'll usually remember a credit score. I'll remember, <laughs> I'll remember a scenario. I'll remember where they work. And I, it, it's so amazing. The yeah. relationships that you build, I mean, we're talking hundreds of people, the relationships that we build with people and you always remember. That's you excellent. always remember because they well, that make... comes from dealing with someone some face to face too, you know, I mean, no, you're, again, is. you're developing that relationship. You develop these relationships. I truly love my clients they at the closing at when we go to a closing which i'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit yeah. but when we go to a closing a closing is such a rewarding experience it's where i don't want anybody to be stressed at a closing i want them to be happy it should be I want a celebration them to be, yeah. it should be a celebration i've actually had people bring champagne oh, to a closing nice. it's it's so exciting and now we have the attorney that we're working with. Now, everybody thinks, oh, these attorneys, they're going to be just throwing papers in front of you. Nope. Not if they're working with me mm. because I don't like attorneys like that. <laughs> I like attorneys that gonna, are going to be as caring as I am. Mm. So my real estate agents are like I am and our attorneys are like. It's that team of people that are watching out for the number one person in this transaction, and that's the borrower. That's excellent. So we need to really have these people protected, not just at the closing. It doesn't end. As I said earlier, it continues on. And these are relationships that you develop. You can't help but be so proud of people. What about the people that have had not so hot credit? Well, that led me, uh, that was going to lead me into my next question. Yeah. So, you know, we are talking about, you know, kind of things in a vacuum that, you know, if somebody comes in and they've got, you know, XYZ, you know, credit score and, you know, they, they qualify and, you know, everyone, you know, high fives all around, you know, they mm -hmm. can go and start looking for clauses. But, you know, what about the, you know, maybe the person who's listening to this or, you know, just the person who's in a situation where, you know, they've had a couple bumps and bruises in the past or, you know, they're coming off of, you know, some life event that's, you know, caused them to kind of get behind on things. But now, you know, they're starting to get out. Um, but, you know, they're still not quite to the point that they need to be. What role do you, you know, play in trying to help them kind of get to the point where they can now purchase a home? How does that process work? Um, one thing, again, I, I prefer the face-to-face -face because, A, if these people have bumps and bruises, A, they're probably embarrassed. Mm. And they may be a little distrusting. Mm. Um, and I, I look at these people and the first thing I say to them is, you know what? You're not alone mm. because quite honestly, majority of people don't have such hot credit Yeah, because it takes time. People don't, as I said earlier, people don't, don't start out with just having good credit. And a lot of times people don't want to deal with it. So they basically brush it under their under the, the Take rug. The ostrich approach. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and they don't the want and yeah. they don't want to deal with it. But the thing is, what we can do is I can give them the advisement of this is how this is the first step in how to repair your credit. Um, sometimes it takes time, but again, you've got to start sometime, mm. and you've got to start with whatever is going to have the best benefit. And we have tools through our credit reports that we pull 
um, we can do something that's called a rapid rescore where I can make a recommendation at the time of meeting based upon what shows up at the credit report. And it, it, this will it's a computer formula, will, which will actually we can go into, and it will actually tell me if you do A, B, and C in this specific order, mm. your scores can increase 10 points, 50 points, 100 points, I've seen it, in 30 days. If you do, <clears throat> excuse me, exactly what I say, and I'm able to print this out to them, and they can attack each thing. Now, some of the things that need to be done, they might not be able to do it in 30 days. Okay. But at least they have the ability to know this is the number one thing that's affecting my credit. So even if they can't do it in 30 days, they can do it in three months or six months. Right now, this time of year, we're meeting with a lot of people that are going to be doing their income tax. Mm. Most people people will get a little bit of money back on their income tax. So they're basically asking us, what what can we do? I may be getting several thousand dollars back on my income tax. I'm going to use that as a down payment. Well, I may say to them, think about it this way. You may want to get that money and get your credit in check mm, yeah. because you technically don't need money to buy a house if you buy in Rhode Island through the first-time homebuyer programs. You can actually use that money to set your credit up properly, now setting the foundation for getting a mortgage, go through the Rhode Island housing programs with us, and buy a house with no money down. There's a variety of things we can do as far as paying the closing expenses. And and come to a closing with literally a hundred dollars. You know, I, I, you're touching on something that I think is really important. Um, you know, in our culture, you know, we've been so conditioned to just have this instant gratification, where you know we have an idea for something, and there's all these tools that we can just we can get it like that. We can you know press a button and order something on Amazon, and it's right. at our house the next day. Or you know, we want to watch a movie, and it used to be we had to drive somewhere, pay a ticket, go sit down, and then watch it. And now just with a click of a button, we can see it. And I think with you know we're purchasing a house, you know, it's a commitment you're making for 30 years. Absolutely. You know, the idea to just kind of, you know, one day decide that you want to do it and then just jump right into it is, you know, what has led, you know, people to have, you know, issues, you know, in the last, you know, a few years ago. So I think that you're touching on something really smart to kind of think about really the long term that, you know, this isn't something that needs to happen tomorrow, you know, plan ahead and make sure that you're in the right position to do it when you're finally ready to pull the trigger on it. Absolutely. I I use the word, I think we're planting seeds. Mm. When you meet and it's a pre-approval and people like, I don't know what to do. What we're doing is we're planting seeds. Your gra- your garden may grow quickly. It may not. But we're going to love it and nurture it, and we're going to make it flourish. Mm. That's what we're going to do. That's our job. Together as a team, we are going to get you to where you need to be. Mm. And that's that's what the American dream is. That's what we want. That's what's layering the foundation of equity and, you know, building families and building neighborhoods and communities. Yeah, and, communities. Yeah, I mean, it, you need to do that, but it's planting seeds. If you, as you said, you know, the ostrich, you put your head in your feathers and you're <laughs> like, it's never going to happen. Right. And, and we're not here to judge. We're here to help. Mm. We're here to help. As I said, there's a lot of people in the boat and you're in in a boat that may not have good credit. They just don't tell you. Right. No one's going to say, "Oh, my credit's lousy." <laughs> no one's going to say that. But there are tons of people that have credit blemishes. Yeah, and our culture is kind of a taboo. It there's is. a taboo around it that if you have this bad credit, it's almost like the scarlet letter that you're like, Absolutely. you know, trying to hide, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. I say that all the time, you know, or they may have a, a, a you know, a unique personal scenario. Everything that you say to us is confidential. Mm. You know, it's it's just for the purpose of getting the loan done. It goes nowhere other. And again, we're not here to judge. We're here to help. We're and here I mean, to I'm help. sure you're like a doctor too. We're like, you've seen it all. Like <laughs> We've seen nothing, it all. There's nothing it's, that's going it's to funny. Like, my, I graduated from URI. My degree's in psychology. And, and I ended up always in like management and then now doing this. And I'm like, I feel like I've never used my psychology. <laughs> I love my borrowers. And you need to treat them with respect. Yeah. You need to really educate them and be there. And it's not always going to be perfect, but we'll get there together. We'll, well that's great to together. have somebody like you that's empathetic to someone's, mm. someone's situation like that. Because, you know, it, it is. You know, it's daunting, you know, talking to a quote-unquote banker. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially in, your, in a position where, you know, you don't have that confidence yet. And, you know, you're, you're, you have these um, – 
Sometimes but, misconceptions. Yeah, exactly yeah. about what your situation is. Yeah, so uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's a good thing that you're out there and mm. that you know <laughs> that you're doing that for people. Mm. So, um, you know, so we talked a little bit about you know FHA and Rhode Island Housing and a lot of these programs. You know, with so many programs that are out there, how, you know, how do you go about you know the borrower either choosing or you recommending you know what the pro- right program is for them? How does that process work? Well. As I said, I I like meeting with my buyers in person. You can do things, a lot of things online over the phone. But for this initial really important meeting, I like doing it on in um, in person. And I like I'm a visual. I like writing things. I like it's so much easier to understand payments and monthly obligations and required down uh, required money, closing costs and things like that. When you see the numbers visually, you know you can say it. And it kind of just like a number. But when you actually see what constitutes a mortgage payment, it makes sense. So someone comes in, they meet with me, and maybe someone has an okay credit score where they could go both scenarios. They could go FHA or they couldn't. They could also go conventional. Maybe they have family that's giving them a, a little bit of, a, of money. And maybe they want to take a look at putting a little bit of money down. Or I say, no money down. That's not my decision. Mm. It's my job to show them the options. Right. So people, when they meet with me, I will actually have pieces of paper. And maybe it's old-fashioned. It's just the way that I work. It's the way that I work. I'll turn my computer screen towards them and we'll be like, here's a scenario. Here's an FHA scenario. And I'll write it down. Mm. Now we're taking that scenario and we're changing it. To conventional same exact house this is how the numbers change here's the monthly payment here's the monthly the uh, out-of-pocket expenses and which do you like best mm-hmm. oh wow that's so much better they may not decide until they actually find a house right but it's our job to give them those options and then depending on what house they find, where it is, the condition of the property may be the determining factor of which program they go with. Mm. There are some people that come to me and they have one avenue and that's it. Right. Well, I'm sorry, that's the avenue we're going to go with. And then we'll work within that avenue. But for the people that have good credit and good jobs and they may have a variety we look at all of the options, and then when they they don't have to make that commitment at the time of pre-approval, mm-hmm. they only have to make that commitment technically technically at time of application. Okay, and then but they now have had all of their options depending on the scenario with that specific house will be the determining factor of which avenue they go with. Excellent. So that's we we have to. It's not my decision. Right. It's my job to recommend. Let's look at these options and then determine based upon there. They know with my guidance, we can make a, a good decision. Excellent. Okay. A good decision. So now, so now we've gone through you know the process of okay, you know, fictional situation. Who I've met with you, you know, we've gone through my, we've gone through my credit. I've given you all my income documentation. Um, you know, you've run my credit. Maybe I had a couple of bumps and bruises, and with some time, you know, you were able to help me correct it. And, you know, you've gotten me pre-approved for mortgage and now I'm going to look out for houses. And you touched on something earlier, which was really interesting to me that, you know, how the location of the home can, you know, have an effect, you know, based on property taxes and insurance and anything like that. What other advice do you give to your borrowers uh, before, you know, when you give them that letter and now they're excited, they're going to go out and call a real estate agent. What other advice do you give to them when they're going out and looking at houses? Well, um, you know, I also... I also take a look at um, um, a couple of things, which I didn't mention earlier with the with FHA. So if someone's going and they're looking at a property, they've got the green light, they're proceeding, and they're going with FHA, they need to look at the overall condition of the property. Okay. Because FHA is a, is a lenient loan, and it's more forgiving with credit, and it'll allow a higher debt ratio. But they also don't want you to get you into a money pit. Mm. All right. So they don't want you've got to watch out for peeling pain and broken windows, anything that's that could be harmful or hazardous to you or your family. Mm. So that's something that I need to let them know that they need to be aware of and they need to notify their real estate agent of that, of which avenue they could potentially be going. Because those folks that are going FHA and that's their only option, they need to make sure their real estate agent is on board to, okay, this house is not FHA approved. 
one thing they need to they need to take a look at, and I had touched upon this um, a little bit ago, is with the different options that they have, they need to look at, you know, they could look at two different houses in, you know, right down the street from each other, but one house could be, say, $20,000 less than the other house, but everything else is the same. But then you look at the house that's less money, and it's going to need $30,000 worth of repairs over the next couple of years. Mm. Well, where are you going to get that money? Right, yeah. All right, maybe that house that's $20,000 more could potentially be long-term a better investment because you know, you, we, you're not opening up a Home Depot credit card. Right. You're not putting things on credit cards that to do these repairs. Whereas you're now in a fixed payment for 30 years with the house the way that it is. So I alert them to that and be open to those, those, um, um, those differences with similar houses based upon condition. Now the real estate agent gets more involved in that, but I at least let them know because so many times people are so focused on, I'm not paying anything above X. Well, if that X payment is comfortable for you, but again, it needs a ton of repairs, that Y payment actually may be beneficial because it affects the financing long term. Mm. Another thing to mention, and I, I say this to my buyers as well, when you look at a house, oh, I don't really want to go that extra ten or $20,000 more, but you're looking at another house and the taxes are $1,000 more. That $1,000 is divided by 12, mm. whereas that ten dollars or $20,000 is over 30 years. Right. So the taxes and the insurance are a really big part. And could outweigh the difference. Could outweigh of, the difference right. of the yeah, house. That makes that, a lot of sense. So again, yeah. all I do is just throw them this information. Now, I also uh, it becomes when I meet with the buyers and before I set them send them out on their way, I always say to them, "I'm going to stop at a certain point and stop speaking because I I talk a lot and I like to explain a lot, and I'm also very passionate about it." But I also know it, the saturation point of buyers. Yeah. So we. They've only consumed. They can only yeah, consume, you can only so, consume much so much. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You can only so, consume so much. So we're like, let's do this in steps. And maybe for those that haven't looked at anything and that are very, very new and very nervous, I'll even say to them, go out, go look, come back in a month or so. And then we'll compare notes. What have you seen? What's going on? And maybe we can use some new examples. Um, credit reports are only good for three months. Mm. So after three months, we need to pull new credit anyways. Um, so, you know, depending on um, what the personal situation is, we usually, I usually meet with them a couple of times anyways, um, especially with not having a lot of inventory. Things are taking a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's, it's really a matter of just giving as much information as we can to the buyers and showing them those options and showing them how the difference between the taxes and the the purchase price and how that can affect the overall monthly payment. Excellent. So that's what I try to do. And again, we we watch that saturation point because we don't want to um, uh, overdo it. I call it a data dump. Yeah, right. (laughs) You can only just consume so much and then you've you've reached your filling point. Okay, no more. Um, Okay, so now... So, you know, you know, we've met, you know, we've, we've gone over my credit, you know, we've gone over my income, I've qualified, you know, I've gone out now with your advice and I've, you know, I've at, you know, made the determination that I want to buy one, two, three Main Street and, you know, anywhere Vail, Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I put my offer into the, with, you know, my real estate agent, it's accepted, you know, high fives all around, this is going to be my new house and now we go to close on it. Um, what would a potential borrower, um, you know, come to expect when we move into that process? Oh. My goal would be the closing is, again, just going to be fun and it's all going to be review because we will have already gone over everything. There should be no surprises at the closing. We will already at the time of loan application. So once they go into a purchase and sales agreement, there's several things that have to happen. So they have certain certain amount of days where they need to meet with the bank and go into the loan application so that we can get 
their employment. We have a pre-approval, but now we're going to get the real approval. We're going to get the employment verified. We're going to make sure the house is worth what they're paying. Those are all behind-the-scenes things okay. that are done. They have their home inspections, different things like that. We'll finalize what the homeowner's insurance is. We're going to finalize what the taxes are because both the attorney and the appraiser are going to determine what the taxes are. So we see often where someone may have an a veteran's, dis, a veteran's discount, a um, an elderly discount, and the number shows in the multiple listing system, it is wrong. Hmm. So we need to, you know, make sure that we're using, we're calculating these payments the correct way. No more estimates of homeowner's insurance. You're actually going to get the homeowner's insurance. So we're going to know exactly what those numbers are. And we're walking them along all the way. So, And we're going to know exactly what they need to bring to closing. Again, most of the time, most first-time home buy- first-time homebuyers will get some kind of a closing cost credit. So they're really not bringing a lot of money to the closing, very, very little, but they're going to know what that number is. So by the time they get to the closing and we have the final numbers, which is really only the day before the closing – it should be no surprise. Mm. They shouldn't. They should already just know. Just a culmination. It's so just to speak. a culmination, right? Yeah. They already know what their monthly payment is because we've talked about it sixty-two times. Right. They already know what the the costs are because we disclose things and they don't change. You know, if they change, they may change for the better. And if there is any issue where something does change for a negative, we've to- we've talked about that. Mm. No surprises at the closing. So they come in. A lot of times they'll meet the attorney for the first time. I am always at my closings. That would be like missing Christmas. You've <laughs> got to go to the closing. So that's like well, the Well, if you're most... making them fun, why would you miss them? Yeah, right. right. <laughs> it's, the best, it's the best time. The sellers are there. The buyers are there. Sometimes um, it's a lot of chatter and a lot of fun. Sometimes it's a little bit more strictly business. It depends upon, you know, the relationship. And the seller's only there for about 15 minutes. And then they leave because they're all set. Yeah. And then I usually chime in with the attorney and we start talking about all the paperwork that they're signing, which they've signed already with me. Okay. This is just the final numbers. Yeah. And it's all review. Right. So a closing should be a happy experience and not stressful because the attorney is going to explain the paperwork, but going to explain the redundancy of this paperwork that you've already signed this with Karen five times already. Right. Things like that. And, um, We'll review, the, you know, again, the mortgage payment. We'll review when it's due. I'll be chiming in about different things that they need to watch out for, uh, bulk mailings, uh, solicitations, different things like that. So I'm there to chime in with the attorney. It's a very, very comfortable, um, easy um, hour. That that will be at the closing. Excellent. And uh, so this isn't in like some like deep like basement room like with a lawyer who's like you know like usually shaking the, his finger at you exactly. Yeah. Usually the closing um, is actually at a Coastway branch. Oh, okay. So we close at our branches. So we're closing in a familiar setting. Yeah. Um, it's that an environment yeah. that that the, that the buyers are, are already used to being, and it's usually at my office is oh, where great. usually okay. where we close. Uh, sometimes we'll close at the attorney's office depending on scheduling, but I'm there. So it's a, another familiar face. And because I know most of the people and we're very chatty and it's it's easy. It's not a stressful time. Well, we're it should us- be a celebration. It should be. Yeah. It should be. We're talking about what's going on. Where are you going from here? What are you moving? Who's at the who's at the house? It's fun. It right. should be a fun thing. And um, and it always ends with hugs and success and bye love you take care we'll see you and call me if you need anything and that's and my buyers always have questions and i'm always a phone call a text away um just before coming here this morning i have a customer who uh, she closed just the end of december and she hasn't received her first mortgage coupon from rhode island housing and I always say, who's the first person you're going to call? And then the attorney will always say, Ghostbusters. <laughs> and I always say, no, it's me. And it's always a joke because I always say, who are you going to call if you have a question? And I expect my buyers to say, you. But the attorney always chimes in. Different attorneys, they always chime in. Ghostbusters. Maybe and, that should be your nickname. Yeah, I know, Ghostbusters. <laughs> so I just always Ghostbusters. just call me Ghostbusters. <laughs> but I'm always, they would always, I don't care how silly the question is, you're going to send it to me. Right. Because... I already know the file. I already know you. It's so easy. You can stress about it overnight or you can send me a text and I can answer it in three minutes. That's awesome. So this should not be any stress. Excellent. It should, we're here to help. And 
if I don't have the answer, guess who I'm going to go ask? The attorney, because I have a relationship with the attorneys. Coastway has relationships. And you have a shorthand with yeah, them, so it's exactly. easier to you speak the language. Exactly. It's easier. Yeah, Last night, sense. I got a, a, another email, and this, these are legit, these are true stories. Another email from another customer of mine who she received a phone call about her insurance from um, from the the um, regarding her first mortgage payment, the people that she's paying. And I immediately reached out to someone at my office. It's been taken care of. It's early in the morning. It's already been taken care of. They contacted me at 7.30 last night. I'm glad that she did because I was on it. Mm. I said to her, don't worry. I'll take care of it. It's all. It's nothing to worry about. And I have an answer, and it's in the morning, and it's already been resolved. Awesome. So you have the people there that are willing to help you and, again, cover for – help each other and, and, and protect our buyers always. Excellent. That's what we do. Karen, uh, before we wrap up, um, is there anything, any kind of small nuggets of knowledge you'd like to kind of impart on any listeners uh, before we go? Um, you know, basically, uh, you know, empower yourself um, with as much knowledge as you possibly can. Um, this information of mortgage financing is not rocket science. It just needs to be explained in a way that people can understand. I shouldn't be talking at you. I should be showing you how these differences and how these changes occur house by house, loan by loan, in a simple way that you can understand. Eventually, you'll get it and really take on um, confidence in knowing you know, that you're able to negotiate and feel that this is the start of a future for you. Um, anybody can do it. You just need to get the right group of people that are going to help you through it. Um, everybody needs help. Of course, yeah. You everybody, can't do it by yourself. yeah. Everybody yeah. needs help, and you know there are online things, and and maybe those are people that like online, and and they're better suited for those. That's totally fine. Not everybody needs Karen's style. My style, I work, I draw. I'm drawn a lot to first time homebuyers because it's the hand holding. Mm. Uh, at my office, they laugh all the time. They call me Karen Kumbaya because <laughs> I like peace and harmony. And I like good vibes. And when it's meant to be, you will find the perfect home. Well, I like Ghostbusters better for your nickname. Oh, So, Karen, uh, anybody who's listening who wants to get in touch with you for more information, how can they uh, How can they contact you? We have you go onto the Coastway website, and you can find all my information. Again, it's Karen Xavier de Cunha. Uh, best way to reach me, and I always say, is my cell phone. Um, my cell phone is 401-413-6984. Um, text is a super, super quick way to reach me uh, pretty much 24-7. Um, I know a lot of real estate things go on on the weekend. Uh, we need to be available on the weekend, so I am available on the weekend. And then my email address. But again, on the Coastway website is all my information. Excellent. Well, Karen, thank you so much. This has been really helpful. And, you know, for me, who I don't own a home, I've learned a lot in this podcast. And I hope that the people listening have learned a lot, too. So thank you very much for coming in and doing this. It's my this. pleasure. Um, thank you all very much for listening. Um, of course, if you uh, have, if you would like more information about what we talked about, please reach out to Karen. Um, and if you'd like more information about Coastway Community Bank, uh, you can visit www.coastway.com. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Coastway Community Bank. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.